Welcome to Living Chassidus. Together, let's live the Chassidus we learn. Um, um, a little bit, but you know, the kids kept me up and I do my Rosh Hashanah class and uh, whatever yeah, was nice. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, just yeah, so no, I came back and, uh, you know. Okay, you are on. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Do you want to say something before we start? Um, like a little intro, yeah. maybe? Like, or should we just start? <laughs> hi, friend. <laughs> Come, say hi. Come, say hi. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, look at his onesie. Hi, guys, look at his onesie. This is amazing. <laughs> you see the Hello, everybody. We have the great sauce. So from what I understood, that we can still pull off some hot girls between now and Sukkot. Correct. We can always play the hot <laughs> So we are really juicing the hakel year, and we decided to add an additional ferringin in honor of our last squeeze, our last hurrah of hakel year. And Shelly was just an incredible, incredible tzedekus, and she um, has what to share with us. So everyone is invited to give tzedaka. Now is a wonderful time. If you don't have physical coins, the chillingaling from Cash App also counts. PayPal, uh, any type of tzedaka works. Um, and right now, Living Chassidus is definitely fundraising for Tishrei. So it's a wonderful, wonderful time. Um, a huge shout out to everyone who already donated. Thank you, everybody who um, gave and made this a possibility. Did I miss anything? We're good in the hood. Okay. With that said, um, I want to say thank you to Shelly for joining us tonight, even though she just came back from Israel. <laughs> and she, from the snippets I've heard, apparently is a very exciting trip. Um, so I'm exactly, life with Shelly is very exciting. <laughs> I'm a big fan of her status, so I get to see all the exciting you fun. With me, I'll definitely miss a flight, come back, <laughs> meet some random people, and help them. <laughs> check, check. <laughs> um, and with that, we'll say thank you, Sally. Thank so, you here. for having me. Thank you for everyone. You thank you for this little guy system? that came with us. <laughs> I want to take him or should I keep him? I'm, I'm happy to keep him. Okay, thank you for Yeah, this. okay. So he you put this in the you put this on me and then I'll keep him for a little bit. There we go. Be good. Unless he's gonna so, pull the camera, never mind. <laughs> let's see. Are you gonna pull it or you're gonna be nice? You're gonna help Hi. us? You're gonna help us. Okay, here. If it won't be in his uh, face, he won't pull it. His onesie says <laughs> I have my Hashem glasses from a young age. No way. Did you get that? I made it. <laughs> it's very important, by the way, for my young age to have these glasses. It's a yeah. very important thing. That's what we're working on. <laughs> we, we help the future mommies so they can then raise the next generation. You know, like, I feel like, like at any age you need those glasses. So I was thinking, when me and Michal were talking, we're thinking, what are we going to talk about? And I had a very interesting experience. Like, uh, I think it was like maybe a month and a half ago. And I thought about that experience a lot. And it made me think of like Jewish identity, Jewish neshama. Um, what does having that identity like contribute to our um, everyday lives? And how does it connect to like Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur 
and and our whole work in this world. And because I had this experience and I met um, a Jewish person through a very, um, a few random things that happened, it made me think, um, what did that experience contribute to me? So I'm going to start with like a, a story before that story, and then I'm going to elaborate. So um, Rabbi uh, Levi Yitzchak, the Rebbe's father, has very nice insight on the Parshas and the holidays. And he mentioned something very, very, very interesting about Beit HaMikdash and about the Kohanim and about the work that they did before Yom Kippur. So they had um, the place where the Kohanim used to sleep seven days like before Yom Kippur. And they gave it two names. One name was called Lishkat Apaledrin and another name was Lishkat Ha'etz. Now, when you go into the meaning of what each thing means, like lishkata etz, etz is something, is wood. Wood is something very solid. It's something that doesn't, you want to go to mommy? <laughs> it's something solid. solid yeah. <laughs> it's something that doesn't change. So, so um, there were um, kohanim that were very, 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 um, their, their duty was very important to them, like Ka'arona Kohen, like Shimon. They were like very, very good Kohanim. They were there for years. But then we had later on Kohanim that really bought their status. And every year was a different Kohen because they were not really righteous Kohanim. And once they went into um, uh, Kodesh Kodeshim on, on Yom Kippur, they passed away. So um, this is why it had an, a second name, Lishkata Paledrin. And Paladrin is like, uh, when you try to like give it like a, a meaning, it's like um, a clerk work, like, like, so clerks change all the time and that's what it kind of meant. Um, and the rabbit talks about this and he, and he says that um, in the Midrashim, they really uh, speak about this, um, in, about that it's Lishkata Paladrin. And, and the question is, why aren't they calling it Lishkata Etz, which sounds more solid? Um, where they used to sleep. Why are they referring to it as Lishkata Paladrin when it's less of a status to, to give to, the, to where the Kohanim used to sleep? And he says, the, the Rebbe sheds light on, on, on this whole thing. And he says that it shows a lot of merit to these Jewish Kohanim. So even though they were not righteous and even though they were, um, they, they were buying their status, the, the whole, only reason they did that and they knew that they are going to, once they go into Kodesh HaKodeshim, they're, if they're not righteous, they knew what they were doing. They knew they're not going to live. They still wanted to feel the Shekhinah, even for that one minute. And he sheds light on it that look how righteous they, their neshama wanted to be there. No matter that their lives weren't holy, they still wanted to be there. And it shows that the source of a Jewish neshama is always holy, is always, always wanting to be in, in a holy place close to Hashem, because that's where the neshama comes from. And, um, and it, it's, it's a very beautiful thing how the Rebbe twists something that could be so negative, And he shows that every Jewish person has that potential to be close to Hashem and wants to be close to Hashem inherently, not with having to even work on it. Just inherently, we want to be there. Even if it seems like from outside, we are not there. And he also talks about the Kohanim's clothes, that they were white and that every year, they would, they would be discarded and, and they would have to have new white clothing. So it shows that a Jewish person always has new opportunity. There, is no, there, isn't, there isn't a situation where you create a bad situation for yourself and there's no way back. A Jewish person always has a way back, always has the opportunity to work on your situation. 
So what is this connected to what I'm trying to talk about of, of, of feeling chosen? So it was time for me to change my car. So I, I, I had, yeah, it was, uh, no, not the plate. The oh. pl I have a car and it has a challah plate on the car. And everyone knows that this is my car and yes. it's very special. I almost lost that plate with this whole exchange with the car. That, that's a whole different story. Um, and after like screaming a little bit, I got my plate back, but <laughs> nobody understood the value of the plate. So when they changed my car, I was like, oh, I'm giving a registration, new plate. I'm like, wow, what'd you do? <laughs> Take the car back and give me my plate. Um, but that's not what happened. So basically that was, that happened later. First, I get this car and it's a new car, 2024, hardly has any mileage on it. A hundred miles. I'm like, okay, fine. I'm driving to New Jersey and on the way. All of a sudden, the, there's like light, the engine light goes on. And I'm like, what? Like, it's a new car. This I'm like, I'm looking again. This is not normal. And all of a sudden, the car starts slowing down. And I'm like driving really fast. And it starts slowing down on its own. I'm not doing anything. And all of a sudden, it stops. It just like stops, starts, stop in the middle, like on the way to New Jersey. Like in a highway. Yeah. Oh, my God. And... And now, and now, now I'm like, okay, so I know that. So, so when this happens to you a lot over and over, you're like, okay, Hashem won something. Let's see what it is. So I'm like, okay, so first I'm like looking at the light and everyone is like beeping, like, why am I not driving? And this cop comes over and I'm telling him that my, my, I can't do anything. The car is not moving. I turn off the car, turn it back on. It turns on, start driving a little bit. And again, this light goes on and again, it stops. So this goes on for like 10 minutes until I get to um, um, the gas station and I, and I, they help me like to take the car to the side and I'm standing in that gas station. And I'm like, there must be a Jewish person here. This is why I'm stuck here. <laughs> so I'm going to the back of my car, I'm opening the car. I'm like, okay, let me get my candles. Let me get all my stuff and find this Jewish person. So her car, the trunk, filled with <laughs> so I open up the box with the Shabbos candles and I'm like there must be somebody here I'm going to go inside I'm going to see what's going on I'm going to find this Jewish person so I'm standing there with my candles and I can't find anyone and I'm like okay that's not the reason something else needs to be done and then I'm okay so I'm calling all these people that got me the car and the this and the that I'm trying to get a tow and I'm this and that and and it takes hours and then I end up finding out that I need to bring the car to where it came from which is Mazda of Lodi which is in New Jersey uh, close to Passaic where I was working at that time so um, I somehow get the car after like three hours to Mazda of Lodi and I'm standing there and they're like, what's wrong? We're like, I don't know. You tell me it's a new car 2024. Why is it stuck in the middle of the highway? And why didn't I get to camp today? What's going on? And this was a Thursday. And Thursday is like my busiest day. I do a lot with the kids and Hala and in time and all these things. I'm like, oh, there goes my Thursday. Anyway, they give me a loaner car and I leave. Okay. This happened like on a Thursday. And um, I had a flight to Michigan on Sunday to do a challah bake. Okay, so I have this loaner car, everything is fine. I'm driving back and forth and I'm going to, um, to Michigan. Now I'm going to Michigan, I do the challah bake, everything is fine. And then things start, you know, becoming not so fine. So, so then I'm about to go and I have a flight at seven in the morning 
And all of a sudden in the, I'm, I'm like, I'm in the, I, I left the hotel. I'm like ready to leave and I'm packing up my stuff from like the rental car. And I realized that my wallet is gone. I'm like, Oh no, my IDs, my money, the cards. Oh my, why is this happening to me? <laughs> and then, and everything I like, and I have no time. I'm like, I have to get on the flight. If I don't leave, I'm not going to get to New York on time. It's another full day of camp. I can't do this. I got to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm leaving. I, I'm not staying here. I didn't care about the wallet. I'm like, I'll figure it out. Okay. I give back the rental car. I didn't find my wallet. I have no ID, no nothing on me and nothing, literally nothing, just my phone and my bag. So, okay. I get to the airport. The airport without any ID. Yes. So I'm at the airport. I'm very positive. I'm like, I'm going to get through. I know it. No problem. Whatever. Okay. I come in, they, I go through one person, but then the next one's like, your ID, please. And I'm like, I don't have my ID. So, so he's like, so he says, um, so he says, um, Miss, you're going to have to wait. I said, wait for who? I have to go to get on a flight. And he's like, no, 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 you're not going anywhere. Step aside. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> okay, just call this lady. And I'm like, I really have to get on the flight. The flight is leaving in half an hour. Please just let me in. I have a picture of my ID. She's like, it's not good enough. And then she's like bringing these pants. Hold on. And I'm like, oh, no, hold on. Hold on. This is not happening. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to miss the flight. And then she brings out this paper and she starts asking asking me a million questions and then she's like on the phone I'm like oh no I'm like miss can you do this faster I really have to go she's like no miss you're gonna have to wait I'm like oh no so she calls them then I have to find out which car I had in 2018 which car I had in 2020 I'm like oh no this is gonna take forever and I'm looking at my watch and it's 6:50. I'm like I'm missing the flight it's leaving now it's like 6:59 already I'm like my flight is leaving She's like, Mitch, you're going to have to wait. And I'm like, oh, no. And at 7 o'clock, 7.01, like, they're departing. And 7 o'clock, she's like, okay, Miss, you can go. I'm like, go where? I have no flight. <laughs> where am I going? And I'm like, she puts me in. She opens. I'm like, wait, I have to open your suitcase. She opens my this, my that. She closed. And at 7.10, she lets me out. And I'm like, okay, where am I going? She's like, find someone dressed in red. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like walking aimlessly with myself. Like, find someone dressed in red. <laughs> I was just like walking and walking and walking. And I'm like, where am I going to find somebody dressed in red? And I'm like, okay, Hashem, definitely this is you. Let's figure out what now. So I'm like, okay, find a Jewish person, find a Jewish person. <laughs> so I'm looking there, but there's nobody there because it's like really early in the morning and all the flights departed. <laughs> and now the next flights are probably like half an hour, 40 minutes later. So whatever. So anyway. After like 10 minutes of like just looking and trying to figure out why Hashem is like, what does he want from me? Because I know there's something. I just can't figure out yet what it is. All of a sudden, I see that lady in red all the way in the other side. I'm running after her. <laughs> I end up running after this lady. I'm like, you got to help me. I, I need a, this. I need a flight. I don't have an ID. But I'm telling her my whole life story. And then she's like, one second, she's looking at the computer, like, okay, I have a flight at 11 a.m. I just booked you, whatever. Okay, so I'm stuck in the airport and I don't have anything on me. I didn't even finish setting up my Apple Pay. So I have no money, no coffee. I'm like, what am I going to do here for three hours? <laughs> anyway, I get on the flight, I get back to New York. And what happened was they were calling me to pick up that car. Yeah, this is very <laughs> funny, right? So this all has, I'm, I promise you, this all has like a, a really important message. So 
I get back to New York and I was planning to get straight to camp and from there to go to get pick up my car because it was ready um, at 12 o'clock when the kids go to nap. But I only got to New York at one o'clock and I only got to New Jersey at like 2.30. So I'm like, I can't leave the kids now. I just got here. So I'm going to stay until the end of the day and at 6.30, I'm going to go to pick up the car. So at around oh, six, y- yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's like, it was like until 630 because parents work or whatever. And, and, um, and this place luckily is open until like nine o'clock at night. So I was able to go there. Well, yeah. So I just, you know, so don't get me in trouble, but, uh, but, but I just like, yeah, so I just drove and, um, and then I get to this. So, so what happily, what happened was my car, I never do that. I always leave my car somewhere else. My friend tells me, Shelly, why are you driving yourself crazy? Take your car and park it in the, in the, um, in the parking of the, of the uh, airport. And you're coming tomorrow. Cause it was only a one day thing. I just went for the holiday and back. So I parked my car there and they had parking with the, um, uh, what do you call it? Easy pass. So I didn't even need to I scanned my easy pass on the way in and it scanned the easy pass. And I'm like, Hashem loves me. I'm like, he figured out all the details because how was I supposed to pay for the cab? Um, so it just, everything worked out. That's why I knew that there was something bigger than what I'm seeing. So I knew that it was something I just, I was, I wanted to know what it was. And then that day I realized it took me a few days also to like really think about it. But then I get to Mazda Vlodai. So instead of getting there at 12, I'm getting there at like 6.40. And I'm getting there and I'm sitting down and I'm like, I'm very unhappy with this car because even though they fixed it, it was like an engine failure on a new car. So I'm like, I don't want this car. I want you to give me a normal new car. I don't want the car that had an engine failure. Anyway, I'm sitting there and the guy's like coming to speak to me and he's listening to me and he's like, I really understand what you're saying, but... I really, there's nothing we could do. <laughs> no, and I'm like looking at him. <laughs> I had like a crazy day and I'm like, okay, there's nothing you could do. I didn't expect any other answer. You know, I'm like sitting there like that. I'm like, you know what? I, I really had a long day. And I just started to read to Hillam. I'm like, I'm just reading to Hillam and he's sitting in front of me. And, and he's like, what is this girl doing? Like, what did she just pull out of her phone? Like, what is this? Like, you know, and he's looking at me and I'm looking at him and I'm like, and I really don't know what to answer him. Like I'm stuck with the car that I'm paying a lot every month. And like the car is not a good car. And all of a sudden, this lady comes from behind me as I'm like reading to Hillam. And he's like looking at me like there's nothing I could do. He's waiting for me to go. And this lady comes in like, she's like, oh, I didn't mean to overhear the conversation, but I overheard the conversation. And she said, why aren't you helping her? And, um, and, and she's, she, she was in the process of buying a car. So, so, the, so she's, and then she's looking at me and she sees my necklace and it says Shelly. So she's like, your name is Shelly? I said, yes. She says, you're Jewish. I said, yes. She's like, I'm Jewish too. I'm like, amazing. That's why I'm here. <laughs> and then she starts like, we, she starts talking to me. She's like, and, and she's like, I want to understand, well, what's going on here? Like, why aren't you helping her? And she's like, and I want to know what happened to your car. What's going on? And this guy's like next to her getting all nervous and like starts shaking his hand, his hand is shaking. And the, the, the manager across is seeing this whole thing. And he's also like starting to like, you know, and they're all walking around all nervous. And they're thinking, what is she going to tell her now? And then, you know, she started to talk to me a little bit. And I told her, look, I'm having a little bit issues with the car, but, you know, it could happen with any. I didn't want to, like, make it sound so bad. 
But then she felt very uncomfortable and she saw like this whole situation and she started to talk to me while they were, they went away for a second and they were like trying to figure out what to do. And she started to talk to me that she was thinking to cover her hair. And she started to talk to me about the month of Elul and, and all these like things of course. <laughs> and all these things. And in the meantime, uh, this guy wants to take her away to buy the car. And she's like, hold on, move aside. I'm talking to her now. And, and they're like, all that. so she started to talk to me. We had like a little nice conversation. And then the, she was talking to this guy and the other guy was trying to help me. And then he's like, come to the desk there because he was trying to like pull me away from her so we're not in the <laughs> same space of each other. Um, and then he was trying to show me my options, which were not really amazing. And then she comes back to him and and then she's like she tells me and then on the side she like like winks at me and she's like uh we Jews gotta stick together and um and then she also came back and she said are you helping her I want to know if you're helping her she said my husband comes here his friend comes here I'm gonna make sure nobody comes here if you don't help her <laughs> and then just like you know and she was like like putting a lot of pressure on them um and and it was like amazing because they started to help me because of that but it's but then like after the whole situation and after I left and, 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 and she left and, and so it's still, so we're still in process of like figuring it out, but they did try to help me more than usual because they don't really, once you sign, forget it. You're, you're stuck. I've had this happen before. It's called like a lemon car. You get like a car that's not working well and there's nothing you could do. You can take a lemon, a lemon law lawyer and things like that, but it doesn't always help. But really the point was, is that, I was like thinking how many things had to happen for me to meet her. It was like unbelievable. What? No, but forget it. It all started with the car getting even stuck the week before because they needed like a week to order the part and to change it into this and to that. You know what I mean? Like it took a whole, a while until all of that had to happen for me to meet her at that same time. So why, why was, so I was thinking about this whole situation. I said, well, did I really need to meet her because of the head covering? Maybe she needed just an elaboration on that. What did I really, but then I realized that something more than that happened when she realized that she was able to help me and she realized that, that she's Jewish and I'm Jewish. It brought some pride inside of her and just that in itself did something for her. And she needed that at that moment to feel proud to be Jewish because if I wasn't Jewish maybe she wouldn't have that motivation to help me but because she felt like I'm Jewish and you're Jewish we have to stick together and help each other it brought her Jewish identity out and it brought some pride out and I said to myself what is that pride that makes us so special and and that's that's the thing that comes out in Rosh Hashanah this is the thing that we work on when we want to improve ourselves, our Jewish neshama, that connection that we have with Hashem. And, and, and that is very, very powerful because really, you know, our, this whole thing that happened to me was really because Hashem wanted to enhance her, her own identity at that minute. And that was so important that I had to go through so many things to meet her at that minute. And um, the, the Rebbe Rayat, he speaks about, um, he used to go to his father's office sometimes, and he, he has um, uh, the Sefer Sichos of, of 1943 and 1944. And he speaks there of one time that he went into to his father's room, and he said that it was like 
on the second day of Rosh Hashanah, his father used to give a, a, a mimer at the end, but he always used to delay it and go very late into the room. And he said when he, he remembered that when he went into his office, he told him, there's more, 22 more minutes. There's 22 more minutes that you can like really dive in and, and ask for Hashem for everything that you want. And he said that he realized later that his father goes late because he was trying to pull the energy of the day into the mundane week. And the energy from Rosh Hashanah, that holiness, he wanted to, to bring it down into that whole week. Like yeah 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 like he wanted to bring it into after it comes out so it can so it won't so all the davening and everything from rosh hashanah would 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 spread also throughout the week and wouldn't stay just in that minute during rosh hashanah and and that was like very that was very powerful and very meaningful and um and i felt like like a jewish neshama just has so much power do we really take a minute to really think on how much we can do how much we can change in the moment, how much we can change when we make a certain decision. And that's something that I wanted us to discuss today. And through meeting this, this lady, I realized how Jewish identity is so important. And even though we hear it a lot, how much do we work on that identity within ourselves? How much do I, how special do I feel that I have an Hashem that Hashem gave me and I can change my situation and I can uplift my situation in any given moment? Um, the um, Rabbi uh, Meir Lau, um, the the head rabbi of Israel, um, he before be it, like he he was not he's not anymore. But when he was the the head rabbi, he met with the rabbi and he told him that he does kiruv um, levavot. And the rabbi told him um, he told him we don't say that we do kiruv levavot because we don't really know who who's close and who's far. And he says that even if somebody feels that they're close, you don't know how close they really are. And so he, he corrected him and many others also that came to speak to him about doing this kind of work of Kiruv Levavot. He's saying, don't say the word Kiruv Rechokim. It wasn't really Kiruv Levavot. They said Kiruv Rechokim because you don't really know who's, who's close and who's far. There was a man that wrote to the Rebbe once and he wrote to him that he's very upset because he said he's very annoyed by this man, that he comes to shul, he gets a whole minion together, but when it comes to the davening itself, he takes a newspaper and he reads a newspaper. But, but the davening he doesn't do, he just gets everyone together. And the rabbi told him, look, you don't know what this man did or does that makes him so disconnected that he himself cannot bring himself to daven. But he comes to shul and he feels the urge to be able to, 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 to get people together to daven. So he maybe can't daven himself, but he gets people to daven. And in exile, this is his way of connecting to Hashem. And that's okay because this is what he can do. We are not here to judge his, his situation. You have to look at that effort that he does. He could stay home and read the newspaper. The fact that he comes to shul and gets people together. And this is his way of connecting to Hashem. So sometimes we think we can only connect to Hashem in a way that's so lofty and we're not there and we're mad at ourselves and like, wow, I can't be that righteous person. It's okay. You have to do what, what's close to you to do. And you build up from that. And this is where the Rebbe had this positivity bias where he always saw the opportunity in a situation where most people didn't. It's like the Baal Shem Tov on, um, 
on the uh, sukkahs, he made a very simple sukkah, a very, very, very simple sukkah. And some people came to, to visit him and they were arguing with him that his sukkah is not, uh, is not a, a kosher sukkah. And he was trying to explain to them that it is a kosher sukkah. And they were saying, no, it's not a kosher sukkah. And he, and he said, it is a kosher. And they were so, they persisted so much that he had no choice. So he pulled one of his like very holy, you know, um, uh, um, and he had to like pull his hand and he, uh, and he got a note from Shemaim saying the Baal Shem Tov Sukkah is kosher. So, so they, so they looked at the note and they knew that it was, it, it, it was proven to be a holy note from Shemaim and, you know, and they let it go. And then you ask yourself, why did the Baal Shem Tov do such a thing? Why for him to, to even bring up speculations? Why, why, why should people say that his sukkah is maybe not kosher? And the reason for that is because the Baal Shem Tov knew that there was a lot, there were a lot of people who didn't know how to properly make a kosher sukkah. And, but they made an effort and they made a sukkah and he wanted it to look so simple and that even if a person made a simple sukkah that doesn't look like a kosher sukkah, nobody would say anything because even the Baal Shem Tov had a sukkah like that. Because he appreciated the fact that the Jewish neshama wanted to be close to Hashem. And even though they didn't do it to perfection, they did what they could with whatever they had. And if you if you were to be too harsh with them, they said, okay, so we, we shouldn't even make a sukkah, so let's just sit in the house. And that's the beauty of, of connecting to Hashem. Hashem wants us to make the effort. Sometimes you can create a situation by just making the first step. It's not always about doing things perfectly. It's just taking the chance and taking and doing the first step. And then Hashem shows you how, how he comes towards you. And this, is, this connects to this Jewish lady that I met, that all she needed was a spark. I'm Jewish. You're Jewish. I can help you right now. You know? And, and, and the Baal Shem Tov was, was trying to show people, I'm like you. You're like me. We're all, you know, we all want to connect to Hashem. And the same thing with, with, with the, the, the Beit HaMikdash, with the Kohanim. There was so many, so many wrong things going on there. People literally had money and they bought their status. So later on, the Kohanim were not righteous. But the Rebbe points out what was righteous about them. They wanted to feel the Shekhinah. They knew they were going to die that year. And they still wanted to feel Hashem. And that's a Jewish neshama. That's the, the beauty of a Jewish neshama. And the Rebbe also talks about it in connection to Yom Kippur. Um, uh, uh, the Shliach once came to the Rebbe. And he spoke to him about shluchas, about connecting to people and how, um, how to affect people. And he told him a story that, that really, you know, raised that idea of what shluchas is. Is that, that, that you have to find even the tiniest thing because if it's a person is Jewish, there's something holy there. It cannot be that it won't because he has an neshama that came from Hashem. And he was talking about, he, he described a situation where you have a Jewish person getting up in the morning on Yom Kippur. And he said, Chas v'shalom, he shaves, he ate breakfast, he got dressed, he went to his car and he drove to shul. And he sits in shul for one hour, two hours, he says those two hours that he sat in shul, those two hours may affect him, may not affect him. 
but it will not go to waste. It'll either affect him and change something inside of him, or it's going to affect his children to come in the next generations. It doesn't get lost. When a Jewish person makes a small effort to connect to Hashem, it never gets lost. So when you see a person outside, you think, oh, I'm keeping everything. This person doesn't keep nothing. Don't look down at this person because you don't know what his neshama can bring down. Because we are not doing kiruv rechokim. We are all close to Hashem. And we have to realize that each one of us has different type of work. But we can do this work. And it's not far from us to do it. And this is really what I wanted you to really, really take the time today before um, Yom Kippur to think of, do you feel how important your Jewishness is? Do you understand how holy you are and how much power you can contain inside of you? And what are you doing with that power? How much are you using it? in connection to yourself and also in connection to others. Does anybody want to like say something, connect, maybe share a story, anything? I can continue like pulling stories, but it's also we can bring about it. Anybody have any thoughts? I wanted to share something. I've actually, I wanted to shout out to Ruta because I remember a while ago you did a ring for your birthday. And I remember you talking about visualizing ourselves as like a ball of light spreading out to everyone else. And I still think about it every now and then. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> there was um there was a diamond merchant um who came to um the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe. Um, Rabbi Shalom Dover, and he um, spoke to him a little bit. And he saw that the Rebbe was giving like a lot of respect to some people. And they looked like very, very simple. Like they looked like they just like, they weren't dressed any special. They didn't look any, they didn't have like a special job or anything. And he was like really surprised. He was like a, a, a very like a refined person. He had a lot of money. He was like a, a jeweler. And he was like looking down at them a little bit. And he, and he was asking the revelator, like, what was so special about these people? Like, what, what's, why did you give them so much respect? And the rabbi didn't answer him right away. And then they had like a fabrengan and they sat together. And as they were sitting, the rabbi told him, do you have some diamonds on you? And he said, yes. You say, take them out. And he was taking them out and he showed him the diamond. So he told him, what is this one? What is this one? And then he told him, like, he started to tell him, like, each one, what it was. And he said, the Rebbe said, I don't see anything special about these diamonds. They all look the same to me. So he told him, well, listen, you got to be a maven about this. Do you have to know what you're talking about? So the Rebbe told him the same thing with Jewish people. You have to know to see, you have to be able to see their neshama. If you just look at them from outside, everyone looks the same. So then he, he really understood. So it really is the level of our neshama and how much work we do, um, you know, and, and it's really how, how special do we feel that we are? It, it's also like, you know, I, I recently thought about it a lot and I also heard, heard a talk about it. And you can't, you can't, how can you love someone else 
to a high level if you don't even love yourself? If you don't consider yourself in a high level, if you don't work on yourself, what can you give from yourself to love someone else like you love yourself? So you definitely always have to also do the work of loving yourself to be able to love someone else also. And I heard a sikha from the Rebbe, actually, when I was in the Ohel, that the Rebbe says that every holiday has a special, um, a special meaning to it. And every holiday we work on something. Like, like in Hanukkah, we work on the increasing light. Um, and in some holidays, we work on mitzvahs. And he said on Yom Kippur, we work on loving others as we love ourselves. Anavat Israel. The, the Rebbe talked about it. I, I saw Asicha yesterday. He was talking about, like he, he had a Fabrengen, and he was talking about what is important about Yom Kippur. And the Rebbe also speaks this year, Rosh Hashanah came out on Shabbos. So when, when Rosh Hashanah comes out on Shabbos, it's a different type of work also. So the Rebbe talks about that also. What, what's the difference? It's not like it, it, when it comes during, during the week, it's, it's different. When it comes out on Shabbos, it comes on a holy day. So all, although Rosh Hashanah is holy, but it came out on also on Shabbos, so the whole year has to be the work that we do on Shabbos. The whole year has to be elevated. Our whole work throughout the year has to be like, like Shabbos day, exactly. So, so, that, so this year is not a regular year. Just like we had the year of Hakel, and every gathering was a hakel gathering. And we go and say, this is a hakel. So every single day of the week of the, this whole year, we have to make that effort like for Shabbos. Everything has to be elevated. You're doing a mitzvah, do it behidu. You're, doing, uh, you're giving out something, give a lot of it. You're, you're, you're inviting people to your house, make it extra nice. Everything has to be extra, just like you do for Shabbos. Why? Because we are ready to, to bring Mashiach. We are ready for Beit HaMikdash. We are ready for Geula. And this is why this year Rosh Hashanah is also on Shabbos, because we are ready. So now when you're ready, when you're constantly ready, you're at a state where everything is ready, it has to be elevated. So this is not a regular year, and this is what we have to understand. We're not going to a regular Yom Kippur. This is a, 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 we're all in an elevated level. I felt it now when I went to Israel. I literally felt the holiness from the ground. I was standing there on, on, on the Kotel and I just felt the energy like from the ground. It was just very, very special. And it feels like, like if you really step for a minute, step back and look at where we're standing, you will take this year to a different level. Wait, you, how did you come back after the spirits were Because there's, because, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I was, I was sitting on the plane and I was like, and I was like, wow, it's very hard. But then you're like, but wait, there are so many people that don't know this yet. There's so many people that don't feel it. How, how you need to give them the glasses. Who's going to give it to them? Who's going to find these Jewish, these Jewish people? There's every one of us does something. And, and like, who's going to find these Jewish people that don't know about this? Who's going to find that Jewish woman that, that needs to feel like she's Jewish and she can help another Jewish person? Who's going to meet her in Mazda of Lodi? <laughs> so, so this is why I keep on coming back. Because we cannot, we cannot go home if everyone is not with us. We have to make that, sure that everyone is with us. It's not, it's not easy work. Like when you decide to, 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 to take on shluchas, it doesn't matter if you have a Chabad house or you do it privately in your everyday life or you do it hour by hour, minute to minute. 
it's very hard work because it means that I have to consider another person. I have to consider the well-being of someone else. Like, like sometimes when I think of like, if I'm going away, I think of, of like, like my Shabbos class, for example, and how would the kids feel if I'm not there? And what can I do to make sure that if I'm not there, what could, could I do for them to make it feel that, that they're not alone, that I didn't forget about them? And, and like, it, it, this is something that's a little thing, but there's other things that are bigger. And, and we can't, it, there's, it's very hard. Just like people used to ask the Rebbe. So if Israel is so holy and Beit HaMikdash is so holy and you're talking about Yerushalayim, why aren't you there? You know, it's because the Rebbe was worried about all of us. And, 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 and you have to hold the fort. So there's nothing we could do. Can I say something? Yeah, you? yeah, for sure. When you're saying the story of what the Torah said about the man who shaves and then he you know, showers and gets dressed and drives his car. It reminds me a lot of a, one of our Shoshana meals where we were having a discussion that was touching a bit upon a certain sense that perfectionist idea of our relationship with Hashem that it has to be, you know, like, am I given all the way? It's like, I, I can be given in my, where I am right now, I'm giving myself to Hashem with what I have, even if I'm not perfect, and even if I'm working on myself and I'm a work in progress. So I, I, I really enjoyed how that, that could also come into our Yom Kippur Avedah, that like, we're not perfect, and that's beautiful. And like in our work towards connecting with Hashem, we can find it. kind of like what you did. At every step of the way, there were so many like turns and twists, and and at that point, it was a conscious effort of like, okay, what does Hashem want for me now? So wherever we are in our perfection, what does Hashem want for me now? And like I think that's a beautiful thought to go into a couple. It's it's also like you don't have to have everything you know worked out for you. Sometimes doing the work means that you have to figure out where, where you're standing, where you want to be. Is the, are the things that you're doing working for you? Are they not working for you? Um, you know, it's, and again, you have to have, um, I really love how the rebel used to look at things because everything was in a positive lens. And when you look at something in a positive lens, you, uh, you, there's options there. There's opportunities there. Um, whereas when you don't like, like this whole situation, this whole story that I told you, if I would have been upset at any point of it, I would have missed the whole point of that. I would have I missed because, because, because this, because, because uh, first of all, Hashem trained me. This, this has been many years. This been, we have this kind of relationship for many years. <laughs> I think the first time around, by the way, the first time around, uh, yeah, so the first time around, the first time around, I, I did not do well. I, I failed the test. I, I stopped taking Shabbos and I went off the derech many, many years ago. And the first time around when my coffee shop failed and I got into debt, I was like, where are you? Like, why aren't you saving me? I thought that if I'm going to hold the sitter and I'm davening and I'm going to do mitzvahs, I'm, I'm done. I'm good. You're going to save me. And, and he didn't. And I was like, that's it. Where, where are you? And I was asking, where's Hashem? How come he didn't save me? Like something is wrong. Does, does, aren't you doing, you're supposed to do good and then you get good. I didn't, I didn't understand how the world functions. And I, I just like, I, I failed. But 
what I always, I, I always say that in many of the, the stories is that even though I said, you know what, me and you are not talking and I stopped keeping Shabbos and I, and I didn't, um, I also didn't come from a religious home. So I, that, this idea of keeping Shabbos and, and being close to Hashem, I didn't have that relationship with, with Hashem at any point. Only later on, when I decided to become a Balatua for my own choices, because I started to understand things and I started to see the path of my life, how it was falling into place, even though I wasn't doing anything specific for it. So I realized that there is some kind of that is watching over me and orchestrating situations. But in the beginning, it was just a very big shock for me and I just couldn't handle it. And it didn't sit right with what I thought was supposed to be Judaism. But, but then... Um, with that said in mind, and with me stopping to keep Shabbos, where did I go and work? I went to work in a mikvah. And I used to clean the mikvah at night, because it was like a nice uh, closed mikvah, and I wouldn't see anybody in the, the coffee shop was like in a very busy place. And everyone knew me. And I was very ashamed that we closed and I got into debt. And I just didn't know how to explain it to people. So the mikvah was like a safe place for me. And I was, I'm very organized. So for me it was like, you know, fixing the towels, fixing the rooms, it was fun for me to do, I didn't mind doing it. And at the end of the night, I would go into the mikvahs and I would say, Hashem, with the merit of all these ladies doing this big mitzvah, please change my life. So how can you explain somebody that's fighting with Hashem and mad at him and not keeping Shabbos, but asking him at the end of the night, going into the mikvah and standing there and asking him to help me? So you could see that it, I was contradicting my own self because my neshama was inherently connected to Hashem, if I like it or not. So in the neshama knows the truth. So even you physically... Are, are, are not there, your neshama knows the truth. It's like, like if, if you take a small child and you put them in water, they'll probably know how to swim after a very short time because it's very, it's, it's close to them to be in water. But if they don't swim and then you take them to swim when they're three, it's harder and they have to learn, they have to learn how to swim. So it's, it's, it's not in, in, innate anymore. So, so it's something kind of like that. It was also like a, a, a very, you know, there was a very, very nice story that I read about the Ramban with, um, with a man that was a, one of his students. And he was a very, very, very holy student. And, he, and he, he was learning with him for years. But then something happened and he went off the derech, like really like went off the derech, like completely to the other side. And it was so bad that one day he, he had so much anger in him. And one day he called the Ramban. He, he was a, an official like in the, in the government. He, he had a very high level. And he calls him and he, he ate literally a pig in front of him. Like he had them roasted and he, he was sitting in front of him and eating the pig. And the Ramban said, like, what, what got you to be so angry? So, so to get to this level. And he said, everything you taught us is not true. He said, how could it be that the Torah is, is, is like the Torah holds all these laws and all these things. And it has all the Jewish names inside. Find me my name in the Torah. And the Ramban closed his eyes and he tried to really, really connect. And he found him the sentence where his name was written. I think that his name was, um, uh, I have to remember his name for a minute, but in front, uh, I, I'm, uh, not, with, uh, no, Avnel, Avnel. And then he showed him that, that before the, the letters Aleph, Bet, Nun, Reish, there was a Reish, Rav Avnel. And it just shows that for Hashem in the Torah, every Jewish person is holy. Every, the potential of every Jewish person is in the Torah. We are inherently supposed to be holy. We just have to get ourselves there.
So if we're not living our potential, we can get there. It's never too late. Where I was 22 years ago and where I am today is the complete opposite. It's a completely other side of the coin. If I would have continued in that path, that Shelly that's talking to you today would have not, not been here. I would have been a completely secular person, completely disconnected from Hashem, completely disconnected from my soul and, and, and from the potential that could be. And it's what's the difference between that Shelly and this Shelly is that I made a connection with Hashem. I created a relationship with him. It doesn't mean that my life is always okay and that everything is always, you know, is always good because it is good. But to the, to the eye, it sometimes seems that it's not good. But, but, but I know that Hashem is with me. Exactly like the situation I told you, or even just my recent trip to Israel where the flight is canceled. I could have stayed here and said, forget about it. But no, there was, I, I felt like I needed to go and I felt like Hashem wanted me. And there was a reason because I, I, I had to fly with El Al. And I realized as I got back why I had to fly with El Al. And another shlichus opportunity came up from that, from me flying back with El Al, realizing what's needed for children on the plane. And then I realized what I could do about it. And this is where Hashem says, you want to do work for me? <laughs> no problem. I will give you work. Yeah, yeah. Because I, yeah, because I always take something with me on the plane. So I take a book, I take a this, I take a that, because kids always cry and parents always like, okay, what do I do? And, and, you know, some moms bring some stuff and some don't. So I always have something to pull out of my bag for, for children and I give it to them. And then this time around, I'm like, ding, 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 ding. you know, like, no, just like packages for kids, something. Yeah. So, so I said, you know, like, so whatever it was, I just felt like I needed to fly with El Alt for to have that happen. And, you know, and that's it. I'm going to do something. Yeah, there's always something to do. Something. <laughs> but I'm just saying there's always a reason. There isn't a situation that comes up and it's just like, oh, it just happened or you just hear somebody. No, you know, and, and I realized that by meeting this lady because I thought about what came up from our conversation. We spoke about head covering. We spoke about the month of Elul. We spoke about all these things. But I realized that her Jewish identity just received an extra light that minute when she felt like she can help another Jewish person. And she felt so special walking out of that door. I helped another Jewish person and that lifted her to a different level. And it brought her home and I'm like, what more can I do for my Jewishness? And this is why Hashem wanted us to meet. And at the, at the, at the end of it, she also helped me in a way. And, and, and you could see this is such a simple situation. And how many times this happens to us and we're so consumed with ourselves and with what we need to do and I need to get here on time and I didn't do this and I'm stop looking at what you didn't do and what could have and, and should have. Doesn't matter. Be here. Be, there's a book that I read to the kids and they laugh because I always remind them, be where your feet are. <laughs> you know, just, just be here. You're here and Hashem is here and and there's so much available to you. And don't miss that opportunity. And this is why I wanted us to speak about this idea of, do I feel special? Do I understand that Hashem is waiting for me? Because in his Torah, 
I'm a Rebbitzin. In his Torah, this man is a rabbi. This person or you or him or her might not feel that. But Hashem's vision of us and the Rebbe's vision of us was holy, was a holy nation, was diamonds. And this is what we need to take. We are a diamond. Each one of us is a diamond. So now we have to like just clean it up a little bit. I have this ring and I love it. And every time I do work and, and I do a lot of like, like hands-on work, it gets dirty. But it's the same ring, has the same potential, has the bracha from the Rebbe. And when I shine it up a little bit, I give it to the store, I get it back, it's all shiny. It looks like a new ring. But it's the same ring. It just It's a touch-up work. So this is us. And, and we're here. This is the time. This is the year that Rosh Hashanah came on Shabbos. And we have to live it like Shabbos. And on Shabbos means that we are all kings and queens. And Hashem is right here with us. Because on Shabbos is the day that he's also with us and we connect with him. So this whole year, Hashem is saying, I'm right here and I'm not leaving. So take this opportunity and don't let it go by. The whole year. The whole year. Every <laughs> single day, starting yesterday. The extra month. Yeah. Even yeah. More opportunity. And don't think like, you know, I feel like people think, oh, the year of hot is finished. Okay, we can breathe. No, <laughs> we still need the hakel. And we still need to strengthen people. And, 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 you know, you asked me, so if Israel is so holy, why didn't you say it? Because there's more work to do. And the, but even there's, there's a lot of work to do. There's always a lot of work to do. And so you have to. Here. <laughs> <laughs> See, she's sitting here. <laughs> I opened the igris. The Rebbe gives you guidance, you know, of what needs to be done. Um, I usually get very clear messages like, you know, move an apartment, tatzlach on the new place or, or on a new job or a new project. I usually like get a lot of that direction. <laughs> also, sometimes you can get messages from the Rebbe through other people. Like the other day I was talking to someone exactly he just answered me on something that I didn't even ask him and he didn't even know I needed an answer on, but it was like the Rebbe was just telling me, this is what you need to do. And it just gave me a whole clarity and, and a thing that I was like for a few months trying to figure out what am I supposed to do with this situation? So, so when you live that way, the answers always come. I don't know where I'm going to be five years from. Now. Maybe I will be in Israel. You don't know, but you, you, you see the messages. You see that you, you need to be attentive to what's going on around you. And then you know where you need to be. In connection, it means that whatever he does, it's from Shemaim. Hashem wanted him to do these things, so we don't ask, like, when she, she's doing what she's doing, it's just look at it, and, okay, it's from Hashem. It means that this is the place where she's supposed to be. And as she said, you never know where, where she's going to be in five, year, in five years from now. But, but now it's for sure from Hashem, because otherwise she wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and Marishin, the Rebbe's letter for you. That, that's so <laughs> No, I tell you what, I did, I, I, I once, I once tested it out. That's why I know I'm, I'm less scared today to make mistakes, because it happened to me once when I, I decided to make a choice that was not in my path to do. And, and, and Hashem decided to slap me and show me how he gets me back on the same path that I'm supposed to be on. 
if you want to, I'll tell you. It was yeah. a very yeah. So 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 basically. Yeah, <laughs> So basically, once I thought that I'm supposed to, I said the story before, I don't know in what, uh, where and what, what, but I said it before, I had to make a choice of what job I'm taking. And I went to uh, two places and I decided that wherever the Rebbe's picture is bigger, that's where I'm going to go. I think I said it in this year when we had the Fabring of Gimel Tammuz or something like that. And um, and I just, so I went to a job interview and the Rebbe's picture was huge, like huge, like, like, I've never seen the Rebbe's picture so big. I'm like, for sure this is the place <laughs> so and I didn't even have the interview I was just in the waiting room I just they put me in like this uh this big room where they have conferences and the Rebbe's picture was like imagine this wall twice the size I was like I've never seen a, a Rebbe picture that big I'm like this is heaven and and I was just like okay this is the place and she, you know the lady comes in and I'm like I don't care what she's saying I'm like yes I'm taking the job no problem <laughs> and then I go to another place and I go through the interview and I'm looking for the Rebus picture. I'm like, where's the Rebus picture? I'm like, looking, looking, I can't find it. So I'm like, ah, forget it. This place is not for me. I'm about to leave. And all of a sudden I'm turning around and I see a little Rebus picture, like, like on the hallway that I didn't see as I came out. Cause it was like small and it was also a little hidden. And then I see that on the window, it also says a project of Chabad. I'm like, oh, it is Chabad. The Rebbe is here. Okay, but it's a small picture. So I said, I'm not going there. I'm like, okay. So I told them, I'm taking the job, no problem. Where the Rebbe's picture is big. I'm like, Sham is the Rebbe, you know? Like, I had very little understanding of what the Rebbe was. And I was like, wherever the picture is, my connection with the Rebbe, if you it, go back to that recording, I explained very nicely what how I got my first Rebbe picture. And that story, I'm telling you, it this is how I connected to the Rebbe. There was no other way that the Rebbe could have caught my attention by how he got me my first Rebbe picture. And this is why I have a very special connection with Rebbe pictures. Like everywhere I go that doesn't have a Rebbe picture, like where is your Rebbe picture? Because it's like, it's, it's a must. So uh, I'll send you that recording, listen to it and you'll understand. But then I, I decided that I'm taking this job and this other place asked me to sub for a little while. So I ended up subbing for like a month and a half there. And then I ended up um, saying that, that I'll start the other job like in July. And I still had time from April until July to start the job. So as I'm like working in the other place, they talked to me about maybe possibly staying there. And I'm like, no, I took on another job and whatever. And that day the, the, the lady was talking to me about staying there. Um, I, I get a call from the other place. I heard the message later and they left me a message that she's very sorry, but, um, the, this is a new position. They never had this position before and they don't have as much funding as they wanted. And the salary is going to be like $20,000 less. I'm like, what? And I had it in my head that I'm not staying in Chinuch anymore. I don't want to, I want to sleep at night. I don't want to have to wait, you know, don't want to have to find subs and I'm done. I, I've had it. I gave my, you know, I did my, my, uh, in Israel, you do two years of army, the girls and you're done. I said, I did my two years, goodbye, I'm done. And this was like, maybe, uh, this was like nine years ago, nine, 10 years ago. So, um, so, and that's it. So I said, uh, and then after I heard this message, I'm like, wait, now they're downgrading the salary. This is not right. And then I realized, and this work that I was doing, this subbing work, it was in Chinuch and it was directing. So I understood, I understood the message. I got it. I knew that I knew that I'm supposed to stay there. 
I just didn't want to. I wanted to go with the Rebbe's picture was big. But what did I understand six years later? The amount of shluchas and the amount of things that I learned there, it has no value in the world. You'll give me $3 million. You can't give me that experience that I've experienced and saw in my own eyes and the things that I've heard and I've done. I don't think ever in my lifetime I could have done it in any other way or any other place. And that was a gift from Hashem. And I realized that you don't go to where the picture is big. You go and hang a picture of the Rebbe where it doesn't exist. And this is, this is working for the Rebbe. This is working for Hashem. You don't go where it's set and, and, and all ready for you. You create the situation. You bring the Rebbe to places that, that, that still need, need the Rebbe. You, 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 you create a path that wasn't created before. Or you start a path so other can, others can continue. And you help the people that, that have a small picture of the Rebbe and help them bring more. And, and this is what I learned. Through. That was a very big lesson for me to know that even when you make a choice that you want to make, if that's not the path that Hashem has for you, he will redirect you. And Hashem redirected me. It was really an amazing thing to see because I saw it in front of my eyes. I saw how Hashem said, I'm sorry, my dear. I know you wanted that, but I wanted you to choose this to start with, but you didn't. So I'm choosing it for you. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, like, like I need you there. Yeah. 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 It rerouted me. I have a question. I know it's a different topic. It doesn't matter. It's um, after that. So where is the choice? If you chose something. The choice is, look, like Hashem wants you, Hashem wants you to have opportunities. But he also wants you to be the best you that you can be. I would not have been knowing today, if I would have made that choice, I wouldn't be that Shelly that's talking to you today. Because I went down to a place that I needed to figure things out. That I also, my, my role and my work that I do today, I figured it out through the difficulties that I had to deal with. And if I wouldn't go through these difficulties in certain situations, I wouldn't know how to, to do what I do today. And because Hashem knew where I would be happiest and what is my fullest potential, he wanted me to choose that. When he saw I wasn't choosing it, he rerouted me there. But he always wants to give us a choice. But he also wants us to go where is best for us. And, and, and this is sometimes also the Yetzer Hara, that he tries to, to make you fall. But I, maybe I had a merit in Shemaim. And Hashem said, no, I'm sorry. She has a merit. And I'm going to use that merit to route her to the right place. I'm not going to waste another year of her life. And, and it could be also because... At one point, I also stopped fighting Hashem. I stopped fighting situations because I saw that there's Ashkacha Pratis. And I, and you see, like, just like these situations I told you, they happen to me all the time. Like, every time you go with me, something happens. And it's like, and you know, it's because Hashem wants you to do some shluchas. And it's the only way he's going to get your attention. Yeah. <laughs> so when you see that there's like something going wrong or it's being delayed, it's good. Wow. Yes. Yes. Every third letter was his 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 letter. 
Yeah. And by the way, he cried and he asked the Ramban what to do. And he told him, move to another place that you're not known, that, that any of these things. Yeah, and every, none of the things that, that you, he said, in this Pasuk is your answer. And he, and he said that Hashem puts your name also with the answer of what you need to do in your life. So, and he really did. He moved away from everything. And it also, it's a path for us to know that when you really stuck in a place, and you feel like you're so stuck and you can't get out of that. And I really experienced that when I closed the coffee shop and I was still in Queens, it was hard for me. I couldn't move on from that debt reality, from my failure reality. When I moved from, from, from that place, I started new in a place where that didn't exist as my reality. And then I started new. So it's like also like to start new. And just like when I spoke before about the Kohanim and the new clothing, and the white clothing and that every year had to be new clothing is because it gives you a new opportunity. Hashem is, and there's nothing that's a mere coincidence. Like all these directives that the Gohanim had, all these directives of what to wear, how to wear it, what do you do with it all the time? And after Yom Kippur, they threw them and they had to get new ones. It's because it shows that a Jewish person has no opportunity. Every year, it's a new opportunity. You failed once, you'll try again. There is no, there is no I can't do it. It's close to us to always fix situations. And to elevate ourselves. And this is why Hashem is also like now we merited to have Rosh Hashanah on Shabbos. And we're going from one Shabbos to another Shabbos that's, that's another holy Shabbos. So, so we're, we're, we're in a very, very holy situation where that in itself gives us power to do more than we ordinarily would do. So, so use that. Go home today and think, what am I doing different to uplift myself? How serious am I taking my own self? And when you're going to do that for yourself, you're going to be able to do that for other people too. So when you lift yourself up and you're helping someone else, you're going to help them with, with a lift, with a different level. I decided that this year, everything has to be in Hidul. No fear. Everything has to be, I do a kids program, doing it all the way. I'm not just going with one or two things. I'm going with a lot of things. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm opening a table for people. I'm opening it up all the way, meaning nice, nice things. Like everyone needs to feel that they're coming to a very special moment. And when you start living that way, Hashem merits you to be able to live that way. It's a choice that you make and Hashem comes into the middle and he helps you. But you have to take the chance and say, I, this is what I want for myself and for others. And when Hashem sees that you're taking it seriously, he'll also take it seriously. I have a story I wanted to share connected with what you were saying before about everybody's neshama. Uh, that doesn't matter what we are doing, what we're not doing at the core, we're all neshama. So um, I don't know all the details, but the point of the story is that there was somebody who was not religious, a guy that decided like, I don't want to have anything to do with anything. He was almost like spiteful and like rebellious. So he went in front of 770 when the rebel was passing by at a certain point and he screamed out, where's Hashem? Like as a rebellious thing. And the rebel said, Hashem is inside you. And he like, like froze like, whoa, like the rebel was able to recognize Hashem is in him. He didn't know it himself, but it shook him and it changed him. So he, was on the steps of 770 and he's like i'm changing my life he changed his life became religious and 
each one of his kids when they were bar mitzvah or bas mitzvah, he brought them to 770 for the steps to show them. This is where I found myself. This is weird just to teach them. You know, we're all in the Shema. It doesn't matter what we did, where we are. But in the essence, we're all in the Shema. We're Hashem. Hashem is in us. It doesn't matter. We can always come back. Yes. It's amazing. You know, in that connection, there was a, there, the topic of the Holocaust is very, very heavy. And, and people, you know, used to come to the Rebbe with a lot of questions about it. Um, and somebody once asked the Rebbe about, like, um, what, what can you say about, like, Jewish people who helped the government, who, 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 who killed other Jewish people or, or sent them to the chambers and, and did the work to help, you know, to help um, the Nazis? How can, you, how can you forgive that? And the Rebbe gave it a whole different definition. And he said, how can you, he said, he, he gave like a, a real example about something like that was very real. I'm trying to remember what was that example. But he also said, um, he said, you need to understand the people that survived, it's unbelievable how they even survived. Because to have Imuna in such a place and to, and to find hope in such a, a, a doomed place, that's, that's unbelievable. The fact that the, the Jewish people that couldn't handle it and didn't have that hope, you can't blame them. It's, it's, it's who knows what to do in such a situation. You need to look at those who actually survived, who actually were able to fight and had their Muna to, to, to be able to, 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 to continue staying there and to survive. That's something special. But to blame someone that they couldn't, that they weren't strong enough and they were scared for their life to fight against the not they couldn't do it they just didn't they were scared it's normal to have fear he said what's special is those who were scared but still fought it that is you know something to look at and and and, and just like and, and again it, it, it's the reb is pointing out the power in our neshama we can choose to be scared and we can choose to, to have faith and it, it, it's our choice and good choices and, um, and a lot of elevation for another new and special year. Um, you were saying that like Hashem directed the place where you're supposed to be. So what if like you feel like keep being redirected to the same place but you're not feeling fulfillment necessarily in that place? So sometimes... So sometimes it also has to do with yourself. How much are you really giving it, giving it a chance? You know, even in the place where I ended up to be, it was very hard for me. And I used to come home crying every day. I'm like, why, why am I there? I couldn't figure out what exactly brought me there. Like, what exactly do I need to do? And it took me like a whole year to kind of see the light in that whole situation. And I realized that I had to just like at one point just be. So you just have to like daven a lot and give yourself over to Hashem. And I say, you know what? Also last year, I had like a project that I couldn't figure out. I couldn't figure out exactly where to start, what to do. And I just said to myself, you know what? I'm just going to be a Shelly. So I just woke up every morning and I just, I was a Shelly, you know, like, so I was looking for things to do and I didn't specifically look, look to be directed. I just did what I knew what to do. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do what I know how to do. And if it's the right thing, then Hashem will, will, will give me clues and, and send the right situations my way. 
So if you feel like you're not connecting, then, then, then you need to maybe just like, it could be that there is some resistance that, that you're like, because you're not really sure what you're supposed to do, or if it's the right place, you're kind of like not really developing within the situation. And you need to kind of dive in and say, Hashem, I'm here and I'm ready and willing. And I just please like open up the path that I could see what I'm supposed to do or how I'm supposed to handle it. And you'll see that it works. But you have to like put yourself in a vulnerable place. Like you have to like, like be in a place of discomfort. You know, somebody asked um, uh, his rabbi once, like, um, how much tzedakah do I need to give? And he thought he would tell him like, okay, give a certain amount, give a lot. He was rich. So he said, you know, he thought he would give a lot. He said, give to a point where it hurts. So, so if, if it doesn't hurt and you're not feeling something, then, 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 then you, need to, you need to do something. You need to, to be vulnerable. You need to be able to feel that it hurts a little bit because that's where you grow. If it doesn't hurt, if it's too easy going, then, then what is that? There's no growth there. So what you're describing feels to me like there's no, there's no struggle there. There's nothing, you know, how do you, how do you build a muscle? Pick up weights because the weight is a resistance and then that's how the muscle grows, but it hurts after. You have to have some resistance. I think sometimes it is a struggle, but you just don't feel like it needs to be. Like why am I but if you're there, there must be something that you need to do. And if you're there and, and you're doing it, then it's, you have to, there's a difference between like mundane struggle and struggle that has like, like when you're, when the struggle is the right struggle, it builds you up and you feel like it's hard, but you also feel like it builds you up. At the end of the day, when you think of like your day and you're like, wow, this was hard, but, but I, I, you feel something, you feel like it's getting you somewhere. If it just hurts and it doesn't get you there, then, then it could be that you're doing something wrong. Or maybe like something else needs to be shifted in order to, to it's not always, you know, sometimes like I asked the Rebbe certain things in the, in the Igris, and then I realized that the problem is not exactly what I thought. Like, I thought that I need to solve this, but the Rebbe was pointing out, no, forget that for a second. Look at this other aspect that you're not looking at. So it could be that in this situation, maybe something else needs to be done and you're just not seeing it yet. So you, you should re-look at it and also take advice. The Rebbe always says, take advice from people who know or from people who care for you. So they'll be able to, like, you have to give details. You know, you'll give details. And, you know, and see what you could do. I'm happy also to talk to you about it. Like, like, well, maybe analyze it a little more and then we can maybe figure it out. But take advice. Advice is always good. Um, I want to make two announcements. That's okay. Of course. Uh, first of all, we had a very, very generous sponsor sponsor of this breakfast magazine for Tishrei, so um, all the articles are Tishrei related, so everyone who's here, if you'd like one, you can take a pass, you can, that was the prize, that's also a prize, um, but these are 
Baruch Hashem, incredible, incredible readings about I also want to thank Shelly because really Shelly made this happen. So on behalf of all of us, I want to give Shelly, <laughs> you know you. me and my I love the gift. Um, this is a book that oh, I, I love it. Wrote. Um, and it's yeah, you wrote this? Yeah. Oh wow, <laughs> that's amazing. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to thank you so much because we really the level of inspiration that we gained from your stories and your laughter and your wisdom and it just it carries us through. So we went from Gimel Thomas to <laughs> Yom Kippur. It's very appropriate. So I want to thank you so much. Thank and you for this opportunity. We learned together. Who came? Um, I know Sister has a tough time. A lot of stuff happening, but everybody made an effort, and Hashem really loves it and appreciates all of you being here. And with that, I want to invite everyone, if possible. To possible because there's only two percent on my phone. I can't on my phone. Um, to join us on our famous living. <laughs> <laughs>